If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be reading some scripture out of the book of Galatians. Uh, the first chapter of Galatians is where we're going to be. Now, some scholars have called Galatians uh, Little Romans, and that's all right. You know, we just last week finished a uh, series out of the first chapter of the book of Romans. Now we're going to go to the uh, first chapter of the book of Galatians. Uh, but some very insightful scripture that Paul uh, pins to uh, the people of the region of Galatia. Uh, so let's just get into that. Let's begin in chapter 6. Galatians 1, beginning in verse 6. It says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious fathers, we come this way today. We thank you for the privilege and the honor of opening your word and we pray now for the leadership of Holy Spirit in this service. Lord, we pray for each and every one that has come this way, for each and every one that hears the sound of our voice, O oh God, that your will would be done in their life. We pray most of all for belief and salvation for that soul through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, we pray for growth and edification of that believer in you, that they might grow in the word, that they might grow in strength and faith of the spirit, that they might accomplish that, that is your will for their life. Lead us, guide us, direct us in all that we ever do, and let us be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we do ask it all. Amen and amen. Now as we look at this scripture here today, uh, you know, most of the times when we read one of the epistles, it's uh, to a certain church. Corinthians is to the church at Corinth. Uh, Thessalonians to the church at Thessalonica. But here at Galatians, uh, in the book of Galatians, we're reading a letter to a group of churches. Uh, Galatia is more of an area, not just a city, uh, but an area that Paul is writing to. He has traveled throughout this region. It's in the area that you and I would know today as Turkey, uh, Asia Minor up in that area. Uh, we would call it Turkey today, but Paul had traveled several uh, journeys up in that area, starting churches in the towns in that area. And when he hears of what's going on over in Galatia, up in that region, he sits down and pens this letter. And we need to see and understand exactly what Paul is saying to these churches in that area. Because if there's ever been a more relevant time for this scripture, it is 2016. I guarantee you that. So Paul writing this letter to these area, to these, these churches that he has helped founded now. Remember, he traveled this area. 
uh, met with these uh, men and women of that area, uh, went into their homes and established these churches in that area to further the gospel in Galatia. So let's begin by looking at what Paul's after he gives them his, you know, introduction, after he tells them what he's, uh, you know, he's writing the letter for. Now, he dispenses in a lot of letters, you know, he, he'll start with these, you know, little uh, greeting of how much I'm praying for you, how, long, how much I long to come to see you, and all such as this. Well, he don't do this with the Galatians. So you know you're in trouble already. You know that already uh, they're off on the wrong foot. Notice what Paul says there in verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. This is a serious charge, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very serious charge. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed. We should not be removed from what? The grace that is given to us by Jesus Christ, especially for what? Another gospel, a false gospel. Notice what Paul is saying here. It's a marvel. It's not like, oh, yeah, I marvel that you do this. No, it was not of wonder. It was one of unbelief. Paul was like, I can't believe you people. I can't believe what you're doing. Now, we know that Paul has went in and he's helped founded these churches. He's helped establish them. He's preached the doctrine that they've been founded on. Uh, he's taught the men and the women in those churches. Uh, he has helped them in every way. But now when he sees what's going on, he's looking back and say, I can't believe what has happened here. You see, a lot of times in our churches today, we, we, you know, we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings and, and, and make them think, well, uh, wh- what are you saying, Joey? What, wh- let's, you know, let's just, let's just, let's not talk about that or let's not bring that up or let's, you know, we can do this in another way. Well, that's not what Paul did. That's not the way that he did it. That's not the way that he expounded the word. When he seen something that was sin, he called it sin. Notice what he did. His wonder, his wonder is, his marvel is not of wonder, but of disbelief. Of what? That they are so soon removed. You see, it hadn't been that long ago that Paul has come through this area, that Paul has went through there and taught them the truth of the word. But now they have become so soon removed. It's not like it's been years and years and years uh, since Paul has been through that area, uh, but it has been recently, and they are so soon removed. From what? From him that called you. It was Jesus Christ that called them to what? Grace in him. Grace in him. We talked in our Sunday school lesson this morning about that grace. I told Deanna, I was going to call and get her to come up here and tell you about that, but she said she didn't want to do that. So I'm not going to embarrass her. Jordan would do it if I got him to come up here. Uh, he's a brave little character. Uh, but we talked about that grace this morning. We talked about the grace of Jesus Christ. 
And this is what Paul was saying, that you have removed yourself from the grace that was given to you, that he has called you. For what? Another gospel. This is serious stuff. But you see, this is not just a problem that Paul is dealing with in about 50 or 55 AD back in this time. No, this is a problem uh, for the church in 2016. This is a serious problem. There are churches upon churches where preachers are standing in, or let me back up on that, so-called preachers are standing in pulpits preaching another gospel today. And people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Why is that so? Why is that happening? Because people are not founded upon this, the word of the living God. You see, if I'm up here preaching a false doctrine to you, you should say, hold on just a minute, Joey. That's not what the word says. Let's talk about this. Oh, if you don't want to talk about it, let's step out to the back. We need to discuss this. Something needs to be done because this is the word. There is no variance, no waving upon this word. You must stand upon this word. The church is here over in Galatia, were leaving, were removing themselves from the grace and falling for another gospel. Look what Paul says in the next verse. Calls it what it is. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. No, recognize that now. Paul says it is not... You call it a gospel, but it's not. It's another, but it's not. It's a perversion of the gospel. A perversion of the gospel. Did you know that there are perversions of the gospel of Jesus Christ happening today? Happening now? Happening as we speak? Perversions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, these things should not so be. But there are people upon people upon people that are being deceived by these perversions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul is talking about. The gospel is false. The gospel is false, he tells the Galatians. There are those that would be deceiving you that want to deceive you. And what they're doing is perverting or altering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there are many ways that this is done, but I want to give you four basic uh, uh, characteristics of ways that you can identify when somebody's perverting the gospel. These are broad points, and like I say, there's a lot of more that we could add to this, but these are the four big ones that if you uh, adhere to these, you'll be able to identify a false gospel. Number one, it's a works-based salvation. If somebody tells you you've got to do something yourself to get to heaven, it's a false gospel. You can't do anything. I can't do anything. You see, you, we know how ridiculous it is to think 
that we could do anything, don't we, Brother Archie? We understand how ridiculous it is to even fathom the idea that I'm going to have to do something in my sorry, rotten, no good, low down self to be able to merit salvation. It's not going to happen. But there are people who are perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ that are out here today teaching that unless you contribute something with your works, you're not going to be saved. False gospel, it's a lie of Satan. That's what it is. What do we read this morning in our Sunday school class? For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Now, you can't stand before God saying, well, I did this. No, you better keep your mouth shut. You better keep your mouth shut. You can't do nothing. I can't do nothing. It is through Christ and Christ alone. So if you see this, you know this is a perversion of the gospel. Now listen, let me be frank and let me be clear. I don't care if you hear this in a Baptist church. It's a false gospel. I don't care if you hear it in one of our Protestant denominations. It's a false gospel. I don't care where you hear this and in what form you hear this, but if you hear the gospel that is based upon the works of a man, it is a false gospel. Because salvation is through Christ alone. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That's Jesus Christ. That's the main way. It's a works-based salvation. There's another way. If you hear somebody proclaiming that there's more than one way to salvation, no, no, no. That's a false gospel. That's a false gospel. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You're hearing this more and more in our churches today. Or let me back up on that. So-called churches, okay? I'll just go ahead and be frank like Paul. I'll just tell you like it is. This is a false gospel. If somebody tells you that, oh, we're all just one big happy family, all religions lead to the same road, a God, Allah, it doesn't matter what you call him, Buddha, uh, Hare Krishna, whatever, uh, they all lead to the same place. This is a false gospel. It is a lie of Satan. It is not true. So in any shape, form, or fashion is somebody's trying to teach you that there's a more than one way to salvation? It's a lie. It is a lie. There is only one way to salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. There is one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. There is no other. There is no other way. He is the only way. So if you see that in somebody's teaching more than one way to salvation, they're preaching a false gospel. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of so-called Christian ministries today that are teaching this very thing. The third way that you can identify somebody's teaching a false gospel, they will, be, uh, they will deny the deity of Jesus Christ. This is one of the things that we see a lot of our so-called uh, Christian cults that are out there. Uh, people that will say that they're actually Christian, but they're anything but. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. A lot of uh, these teach that 
uh, when Jesus was born, he was a he was a, a, a man, a good man, and he lived a good life, and he and he fulfilled the will of God with his life. But when he was dying on the cross, God made him deity. But it wasn't until that point that he actually became the Son of God. What? <laughs> you ain't read this. It's in the Bible teaches that what? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Two different things there. The child is born of the flesh. That was Jesus Christ born in the flesh. The son was the son of the living God. And when he was conceived, he was the son of God. And he was the son of God for every single day uh, all throughout his walk upon this earth. And he continues to be the son of the living God. But you see, there are people that will deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Most of these people are cowards anyway. Because they don't, you see, they, they've got caught up in all this, this junk of the world of, uh, you know, well, religion's just way too ancient. We, we don't really need to get into all that, you know, believing that people died on crosses and believing that people raised up out of the grave, that they raised up the dead people. You know, it's like, oh, no, Jesus really wasn't the son of God. He's just a good guy, and we follow him. Lie of the devil, a false gospel. The fourth way, another den uh, denying, denying the Trinity. You hear a lot of people, a lot of so-called Christian organizations today that will deny the Trinity. If you ever hear of what, uh, there's, a, there's a group out there called the Oneness. The Oneness, all right? And this is what they teach. That there's, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but they're the same person. Say what? Yeah, they teach that they're the same person. They just they just take up different forms at different times. That's nowhere in the scripture. That's not taught in the scripture. All right? You you can't you can't find that in the scripture, but there are there are so-called Christian groups that will teach that today. Once again, it's a lie of Satan, and it's the false gospel. It's an alter, a perversion of the gospel of Christ. <coughs> So you see, we have to be aware. Paul teaches us about these things. He, he warns the Galatians about these things. So keep your eye out for these. Works-based salvation. More than one way of salvation. Denying the deity of Jesus Christ and denying the Trinity. Like I said, those are the four main things to look for. There are more than that, but more, uh, more than likely you will find all of those listed below that encompassed in these four in one form or fashion. We have to be aware. People today are perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said in verse 8, he said, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Now, you know, a lot of times when we read the words of the scripture, it's, it's hard for us to, to convey within ourselves the emotion of the moment at which it was being written. Uh, but, you know, understanding we do is, is uh, more than likely Paul is this, this, you know, fiery character that uh, 
uh, probably don't put up with a whole lot of foolishness, the best I could figure out. Uh, I imagine when he's writing this, uh, he's probably spitting and foaming at the mouth, if I had to think. Uh, this let him be accursed, okay, it is, a, is a pretty serious accusation. But notice what he says. Though we, Paul says, even if I, even if you hear it from me, or how about this, if an angel from heaven comes down and stands before you and preaches any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. The Greek word is anathema. If you're any shape, form, or fashion familiar with the Catholic teachings, you, you recognize this word, anathema. That's what they do to you if they don't like you anymore. They anathema you. They curse you. They excommunicate you. Uh, this is what they have done for uh, many, many, many years for those that they don't like. They curse them. In other words, when they curse you, uh, you're, even if you're in heaven, you get jerked out of heaven and you get cast into hell. Much foolishness. Exactly what it is. But Paul said, even if I, even if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches any other gospel. Now, church, you should get this. What is Paul's definition of the gospel? You know that, don't you? Why? Because we say it every single You realize, you see why we say that every single week? You see why it's so important to understand what Paul, when Paul says, this is the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. If anything varies from that, it is false. And this is what Paul is saying. Even if I come back to you and say, wait a minute, I've changed my mind. This is how we're going to do this. You need to say, Paul, you are accursed because that is a false gospel. There is only one gospel, and that is the gospel that is granted authority by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the one Paul defines there in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That he died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. You see, recognize what Paul is saying. Paul didn't say anything about you have to believe that uh, uh, Jesus raised people from the dead. You have to believe that Jesus cured. Uh, the, he didn't say anything about his miracles. Paul didn't say anything about following the teachings of Jesus. He didn't call that the gospel. No. Recognize what he calls the gospel. What he defines as the gospel. The good news. The good news. The good news from what, Joey? You and I are born into a sinful world. We're born without a Resource, we're born without an avenue uh, to salvation. There is no hope for us. There is nothing we can do to reconcile ourselves to God. Except for one thing 
Jesus Christ made a way. Jesus Christ bridged that gap. Jesus Christ stepped into humanity, became what man was to do what man could not. He lived that sinless life. Paul says if anybody else changes this gospel, you let him be accursed. You see, the gospel does not receive its authority from men. It don't even receive it from angels. Mm -mm. From the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. And you see, not there is no man, there's not even an angel that is worthy to pick up that cup. To, to take that sacrifice like the son did before the father. That sacrifice of his own blood. To carry that before the altar of the father. And to offer that for the sins of all mankind. There's not a man or angel that is worthy to do that. Paul says if you change that gospel in any way, you are accursed. Let him be accursed. He says in verse 9, as we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Sound like an echo in here? That's the verse I just read, ain't it? He, Paul repeats himself. Is he getting old? Is he getting senile? What, what's going on? He, he repeats the same verse he just got through saying. Again I say. No. Paul in restating his previous position emphasizes, emphasizes that the authority of the gospel of Christ is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. You see what Paul is saying? Even though he has stated time and time again throughout his epistles uh, that he is, has the authority of an apostle through the calling of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus Christ himself. And yet here's Paul saying, if anybody, even me, tries to change in any shape, form, or fashion the gospel of Jesus Christ, let them be accursed. There is no negotiation on this fact, church. This is what he's saying, and this is what you and I need to understand today. There is no negotiation on this fact. There is no, as some of our uh, political candidates would want to do, sitting down and reinstituting of the authority of Scripture, uh, coming up with a uh, less uh, hurtful way of saying sin. You see, that, can't, that is non-negotiable. The gospel of Christ is non-negotiable. Women understand that better than men. You see, men, we've talked about this in our Bible study uh, throughout the course of the weeks. We've had a great time, really enjoyed that. But listen, I mean, there, there's just no beating around the bush on this. I mean, when it comes to hard-headed and stubbornness, we've got this thing down pat. All right? I mean, that's the truth. We, we've got this thing down pat. And we are especially, especially 
in that camp that sometimes tries to negotiate with God. God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Just like the other day, David, when we met this guy outside here, you, we talked about that. I told God if he'll do this, I'll do that. Oh, you're talking to the wrong one. You don't negotiate with God. You don't sit down at the table and say, all right, God, let's work this thing out. Let's hash it out, God. Let's figure out what we need to do. No, you don't. You don't negotiate with him. And this is what Paul is telling the churches in Galatia. You see, they had people who were coming in behind Paul and trying to teach because Paul was teaching what? That by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. But you see, people were coming in behind Paul saying, wait just a minute, folks. That's uh, you, You've got to do something yourself. You see, he had these charlatans, these men coming in behind him saying, no, you need to... Uh, uh, you need to do this and this and this and then believe. No, 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 no. And you see, Paul has got word of this and he's writing these people back. And you see, this is what he is so upset about. He's taught them the gospel. He's taught them what it means to be saved. And now these charlatans have come in right behind him and they would so soon believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is non-negotiable, church. That's what Paul was telling them. Don't believe this foolishness. Don't believe those people coming in behind me. You are saved through faith. You can't do nothing of yourself. In verse 10, he says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Hmm. You see, Paul's been, he's, he's walked up to the church of Galatia and he's, you know, he's peeled off his gloves and he's been sitting there uh, fiddling with his gloves, uh, talking to the church of Galatia. And in verse 10, he said, slaps him right in the face with it. What are you thinking, church? What are you thinking, people? Are you trying to please men or are you trying to please God? Because if I'm trying to please men, guess what? I am not the servant of Christ. To serve Christ, we must stand in opposition to the sinful nature of mankind. You know how hard that is today, 2016? To stand in opposition to the sinful nature of mankind? I'm talking about a sinful nature that is now written in our laws. The laws of our land celebrate the sinful nature of mankind. And as a body of believers, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have to stand in opposition to that. Guess how that's going to go over with the world? <laughs> you got it. You got it. Not very good. Not very well. People are going to talk about you, call your names, say things about you, talk behind your back, run you down. Guess what? Rejoice. Rejoice that you're counted worthy to suffer on the count of the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Because everything you see around you, everything that is around us today is temporary. We are simply preparing to live. We're not even really alive yet. We're just getting ready to live. Man, I mean, I, there are days that I get up and, you know, something is like twitched in my back and I'm like, how'd that happen? I got bruises over here and Sonia's like, what'd you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what happened to me. I mean, things is going on, uh, cracking and breaking and uh, twitching and, and stretching and uh, it just gets worse all the time. <laughs> this ain't living. This ain't living. I'm just getting ready to live. And you see, we are preparing uh, for our life in the kingdom to come. This is what Christ talked about uh, when he talked with the disciples over there. After Israel had rejected him, after they had turned their back on him, then he turned to the disciples and began to teach them the things of the kingdom to come. And this is one of the things that he taught them. I'm leaving you in charge. I'm leaving you, uh, when I go away, I'm going to give you a talent. I'm going to give you five talents. I'm going to give you ten talents. And whatever you do with that while I'm gone, when I come back, guess what? You'll be rewarded as such. Church, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. We're living in that vineyard today that the workers have overrun it. They've killed the messengers that have come from the, the master. They've killed his very own son that has come and we're living in that vineyard that is overrun. And they're, they're thinking, these workers, this world that we're living in is thinking, we've got this. We ain't worried about you, God. We ain't worried about the master showing back up, but guess what? He's coming. He's coming. You better believe it. And when he gets here, will he find the faith? Will he find the faith? We mentioned this the other night in Bible study. Somebody mentioned this very fact that, you know, uh, men too, we, we really get carried away a lot of times with, with sports and you know, athletics and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we tend to look at, at people uh, that will dedicate themselves to training their body and being committed and being dedicated to do whatever it takes to play a child's game. All right, come on. Are you serious? And you see what Christ needs what God needs in his kingdom is men and women who are committed not to physical excellence, not to excellence in what we can do with this body, but in excellence of what we can do with our spirit. Excellence in what we can do with our heart. A heart committed to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what he needs to find when he comes back. A people who are committed to growth in his word, the word that he has left us to guide us in each and every walk of our life. Brother Mel, I want you to come with a verse of a song today. And listen, you see, Paul wanted the church churches at Galatia to recognize the error of their way. Church, today, we have to proclaim that same clarion call. We have to be that same beacon. We have to be that on the watchtower 
to tell those around us. Listen, this is false. This is a false gospel. That is a false teaching. People will call you names, say things about you, but yet we must proclaim it, church. It's hard. It's a rough walk. But listen, it is well worth it. But to do that, number one, you have to belong to him. You have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you've never accepted that belief in the gospel as Paul defined it, the believing that Jesus died for your sins according to the scripture, the belief that he uh, was buried, and the belief that he rose again according to the scripture, let today be the day that you believe that. Let today be the day that you accept that in your heart, that your life is changed forever. Because once you meet Jesus Christ, you'll never be the same. You can't. Because you'll realize, you'll understand, okay, I belong to him now. He has saved me. I am his. And you can never be the same. But if you've never done that, if you don't truly believe that, if you've never accepted that, let today be the day. You can either come talk to me, you can come down here and you can pray. Listen, the prayer is not going to save you. It's the belief that saves you. It's the belief. Believing. You can do it right where you sit, right where you're standing. You can do it right there. You come and tell me, you come and tell us. You see, once we believe, we proclaim it. We believe it with the heart, but then what? With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. There you go. If that's you today, let's take care of that. If there's something else you need to pray about, just like Brother Ricky and Sister Trish a while ago, they had something they needed to pray about, and they came to these altars. I love that. I love that. You got something to pray about? Hey, there ain't no better place than right here. Pray about it. I love that. If we got something we need to pray about, let's pray about that today. But whatever the need is in our heart and life, whatever it is that Holy Spirit is dealing with you, listen, let today, we pray that today is the day of salvation for you.